Good morning church. My message for this morning is just as it was in the days of Noah. No ancient story in human history captivates our attention as much as Noah and the great flood. There are stories from different cultures around the world about the devastating flood and what is particularly amazing is that many point to details familiar to us who have read the biblical account of Noah and the ark. Yet skeptics regard this as a myth. But Jesus believed in the scriptures of Noah and the flood. And what is even more amazing is that Jesus links the flood narrative to, to the certainty of coming prophetic events and his return. In Luke chapter 17 verse 26 to 27, Jesus says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Let's dwell into the book of Genesis chapter 6 and 7 and dissect the flood narrative. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 1 to 2 it says, When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married them any of them they chose. There is a debate among theologians and Bible scholars as to exactly who the sons of God were. Some suggest the phrase refers to Seth's descendants, described as God-seeking men. Seth was Adam's son and a direct ancestor of Noah, and is also included in the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 37. So some read Genesis chapter 6, verse 2 as a marriage between Seth's godly clan and Cain's ungodly clan. But there is another interpretation as well. In verse chapter, in verse 3 to 4 it says, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Why would God want to withdraw his spirit from mankind simply because godly men married beautiful women? Why would, why would God want to give a lifespan of humans to 120 years? Or as other, the other interpretations say, says that God gave them 120 years grace on repenting before he brings the floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life. The oldest and most likely and most widely held interpretation is that the sons of God are fallen angels. These angels had physical relationships with women and bore ungodly beings. 
Peter had this to say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 to 22. For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few, eight in all, were saved through water. The Nephilim is sometimes translated as giants and sometimes as the fallen ones. These are the attempts of scholars to interpret, to interpret a text that is not clear. We would be wise not to make any statement of doctrine based on a text that does not have a clear meaning. Verse 11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. The reason God wanted to flood the world was because the people in Noah's day were disobedient to God. They hated God and were very wicked and that every inclination of their hearts were to do evil which resulted in total depravity. There are two distinct reasons for the flood. The first reason is because of the sinfulness of humanity. A sinfulness that seems to have reached an all-time peak. The second more significant reason for the flood is the example that it provides for us. God takes the sinfulness of humans seriously. Even though the flood was a one-time event, it does remind us that judgment awaits those who persist in living in rebellion against our Creator. In the midst of sinful humanity, God finds favor on Noah. Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah preached to sinful, human, sinful, sinful humanity the coming judgment from God on the coming catastrophe, but they mocked him and God. Noah was given the task by God to draw people back to God and to build a massive ark. In Genesis chapter 7 verse 6 to, 7, 6 to 10 it says, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, as God has, had commanded Noah. Listen carefully to the next verse. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. The people 
add seven more days grace in order to repent and be saved. Eventually, the flood came and all perished besides Noah and his family and representative land animals were saved. God grieved for humanity, but he had to bring judgment on them due to them being prideful and boastful. God responds to this increasing sin by limiting lifespans, thereby giving less time for power to corrupt and for corruption to establish routines of oppression. Back to Luke chapter 17 verse 26 to 27, Jesus said, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Jesus draws a comparison between the days of Noah and the coming of the Son of Man in his return in glory. He does not emphasize the corruption and evil of human beings during the time of Noah. Instead, the focus is on ordinary life. People eating, drinking, marrying, buying, selling, planting, and building. No expression of disapproval is voiced in these matters because they constitute life in the world. The problem, however, is that people begin to think that such life will go on as usual and never end, and also the failure to repent and to turn to God since the flood point to the final judgment. The people of the world today are doing the same thing as the people, Noah's, as, as the people in Noah's time did. Nations are rejecting God and are committing evil sins in the world today. People today have, are, have become prideful and boastful. The question in people's mind today is as Pilate asked Jesus in John chapter 18 verse 38, what is truth? Jesus will return and bring this age to an end. We need to get ready just as Noah did and get our ark, get into our ark who is Jesus. We need to stay faithful. It took a long time to build the ark and it is going to take a long time to bring this age to an end. God wants to fill his second ark. He wants everyone to be saved. What is significant of God shutting the door in Genesis chapter 7 verse 16? It provides a wonderful demonstration of the twin truths of man's responsibility and God's sovereignty that we see throughout scripture. When the door of the ark was shut, there was room for many more people. All they had to do was repent and turn to God. In the same way, salvation is available to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Notice that the eight occupants of the ark entered a door and there was only one door, which was not closed by Noah, but by God. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 9, I am the door. 
if if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Noah's ark is actually a picture of salvation in Christ. He is the door through which we need to go to be saved. Second Peter chapter three verse three to twelve says, "Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing." and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand, understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a row, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Today we see events unfolding before our eyes in regards to the second coming. Nations are excluding God on the affairs of the day and have a disregard to his word and his truths. We see skeptics today would doubt that Jesus will return since life has not changed since the beginning of creation. There is violence, hatred, revenge, intimidation, and fear in our society at the moment. The main truth for us as believers today is to be ready, which means to be ready spiritually, with our affection being for the Lord. Do we love our houses, what we stream on our devices, our social media and movies more than God? Do we conform to the world with full of sins or stay apart from it? There are a lot of prophets sprouting up on social media proclaiming that the second coming is near. But Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 verse 36, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. God loves every human being in this world, whether they be good or evil. The delay in Christ's return can be understood in the context of God's mercy, patience, and desire for all people to come to salvation. One key passage that addresses this topic is found in 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
As believers, our role is to remain faithful as Noah was and share the gospel and trust in God's perfect timing. As Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 says, we need to have the spirit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, so that we may draw unbelievers close to Jesus and save them from judgment. We must not let this world distract us from the plans and purposes that God has for us. When people question us on what is truth, we need to be bold and say that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. In Christ there is a newness of life. The old nature has to be changed through the power of God's word. The word transforms you from the inside out. Your speech will change. You will not want to be part of any evil practices, be it in your thoughts, your speech, or your actions. You want to honor God in all your ways. Noah's flood teaches us two things today about the attitude of God to us. Number one, he is angry with sin and will punish it one day. Number two, he loves us and sends us a way of salvation if we will only repent and turn to God. All believers, just as Noah, have a responsibility to share the message of salvation with a world that is perishing. The lessons from the account of Noah are a great reminder of that truth. Let me close by a quote from Stephen Travis. Noah was the first of many individuals who apparently single-handed have been used by God to carry out his purposes and to make a crucial difference in the world. Even today, people famous and people unknown are making a difference in the world simply by trying to obey God. They have refused to be bullied into believing that what they do makes no difference. Amen.